0: Welcome to Family History, Genealogy Made Easy. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. You probably have a lot of curiosity about your family history, but not a lot of time. And that's why I created this podcast. In each episode, I'm going to give you the tools that you need to uncover your family tree in quick and easy ways. Now that you're making some substantial progress on your family tree, you're probably thinking about some interesting and creative ways to share what you've discovered and perhaps your thoughts about the research process. Well, in episodes 12 and 13, we covered uploading your family tree to the internet in order to make online connections. On today's episode, we are going to focus on another way to share online, and that's through blogging while you've probably read genealogy blogs, you may not have felt prepared to start one of your own, but secretly wanted to. Well, in these next few episodes, we're going to give you the tools to do just that. And I've invited a seasoned genealogy blogger to start us off. The footnote maven has been blogging for quite some time now and has much to share on the subject. Her blog, Shades of the Departed, has grown dramatically in popularity, and in this episode, FM, as her friends call her, will explain what that blog means to her.
1: And Shades is really where my heart is. I love the old photographs. I love the research. I love making that connection. Um, to some family out there that's looking for their family history or for an old photograph.
0: And since there are so many different types of genealogy bloggers, Footnote Maven will try to sum up how she thinks of herself in the blogosphere.
1: I call myself Seinfeld blogs. (laughs) Blogs about nothing in particular and everything in the world that hits me on whatever day it is. I write about the things I enjoy. And hopefully other people enjoy them, too.
0: And she explains why you can be a genealogy blogger, too. And there's
1: something wonderful in all of us. We just have to determine what that is and showcase it. And you'll see that even with the new bloggers, those that are being successful stand out because there's something different
0: they're offering us. She gets down to dollars about money.
1: No, I don't make any money. I don't have a single ad on there. And don't think my husband once a month doesn't say, isn't there some way you can make money from this? Because he'll say, you work harder than employees I'm paying wages to. And and
0: he's right. And we'll give you specific tips for getting started, how she prepares her blog posts, what she would have done differently if she could start all over again, and nine tips for getting readers to leave comments. But even if you don't plan on starting a blog anytime soon, I know that you're going to enjoy the footnote maven's passion for genealogy, her sense of humor, and words of wisdom. And that interview is coming right up after a quick trip to the mailbox. an email here that I wanted to pass along to all of you that kind of follows up to our listener email episodes that we just finished up, and it's from Russ Worthington, a friend of the show. He writes, I'm listening to episode number 36, and I had to pause it to pass along a blog post that may help your listener, Bob Callahan. He asked two questions, the first about how to enter a female name. I'm sending you this link as he uses Family Tree Maker and has a subscription to Ancestry.com. This link shows how to use that combination to search for a female who has married, as you suggested, entering the birth name in the database, but how to locate that person using Family Tree Maker's web search feature at Ancestry.com. The web address that he gives is ftmuser.blogspot.com slash 2008 slash 10 slash census dash search dash 4 dash females. Dot HTML, And of course, I will have that link for you directly to that blog post on Russ's blog in the show notes for this episode. He says this specific example is for a census record, but other records can also be found using this same technique. Hope this helps. He says you and Lacey are the best, cats included. Ah, he heard the cats in the background. He says mine is sitting in the window checking out what's happening outside. Please keep up the great work, Russ. Well, thank you so much, Russ. That's what we love is when you listeners can write in and help each other and help us out. Um, I will again have this information in the show notes. Hopefully that'll help Bob Callahan out and a couple of other listeners as well. And I'm so glad that you enjoyed the listener email episodes. They were a lot of fun to do. According to the website of today's guest, a footnote maven is someone who is dazzlingly skilled at inserting a citation, denoting a source, a note of reference, or a comment at the foot of a scholarly writing. And as you will learn in this interview conducted at the Southern California Genealogy Jamboree, the footnote maven has these qualities, and yet so many more. Her two very popular blogs, Footnote Maven and Shades of the Departed, are widely read by genealogists everywhere. And she gladly shares her experience and tips with all of us. Here's my interview with her. Well, I'm here at the Southern California Genealogical Jamboree, and um, I have a very special guest here. I am talking to the footnote maven, uh, extraordinary genia blogger, (laughs) Uh, very well read, and um, I feel very fortunate to have run into you here in Southern California. You're from actually my old neck of the woods. You're from Washington State. And that's, I mean, I was born in California, but totally raised in Washington state. How are you enjoying the sunshine down here?
1: I hardly recognized it. Um, they say, you know, 97 shades of green in Washington. Well, there's 97 shades of gray to go along with green. So, yes, it's a little warmer than I'm used to.
0: We have 97 shades of brown in California. Have you noticed that on the
1: hills? Uh, yes, I'm afraid I have. I actually lived here oh, okay. in your Belinda ages ago. So, yes, I'm familiar with brown.
0: Well, I'm thrilled that you made the journey down from Washington to to visit here. Love to talk to you. I was excited to meet you because you're one of those folks that we see on Facebook and we see on the blogs. And, you know, we all feel like we've kind of gotten to know each other. And yet for so many of us, this is our first face-to-face meeting. Uh, How has it been for you? Well, I've loved
1: every minute of it. And I've actually been surprised that, that people knew who I was. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, you, do, you blog and, and you know, there are comments. But you, you blog and you blog to a faceless community out there. And so when you meet the bodies, it's quite a different experience. I've loved it.
0: I know. Sometimes when I'm podcasting, you know, I almost want to tap the microphone and say, Am I talking to myself? Are you all really out there the way I thought in we rely on them to give us some comments and some some interaction, and, and of course blogs certainly lend themselves to that. How has your audience grown, first of all? Who were you talking to when you first started, and, and how many do you think you're talking to now? That's a good question
1: uh, that I'm really not too sure. In the beginning, I was talking to myself. Okay. I know that.
0: A very um, captive audience. Yes,
1: <laughs> and I certainly lied to myself, so that was probably a big help, too. Then I started doing um, Yasha's uh, Carnival of Genealogy. And there were only eight or nine of us at the time. And people started coming online, looking at us, and they'd show up on our websites. And you have to be a bit unique in the beginning. There's got to be something. For me, it was the name. It was the old photo of the woman who looks like a librarian. Yes. and. I wrote about footnotes. I have a legal background, so I knew how to footnote. I wrote about that, and I also created something called a quilt of genia bloggers. We called ourselves genealogists in the beginning, we're genia bloggers now. And the interesting thing about the quilt was it now is what Blogger does for followers. Mm -hmm. Mine originally looked exactly like that, only I just did the little pictures. So it started picking up. I I started getting a lot of comments, and then our community has grown. And I think we're seeing fewer comments. It really has to be something extraordinary for people to write anymore. You either um, have the time to comment or you have the time to read, and I think we're all taking the time to read. It's, It's in a different situation. We had a blogger. She's not around anymore, and she had done a post on genealogy seminars that she'd like to see. And in one of them, she kind of made fun of me because I had been doing pictures of women wearing white dresses, 1800s. And so she said, oh, well, the footnote maiden can do a seminar on women in white dresses. <laughs> so I did one. Oh. Just as a challenge. And from that, I started Shades of the Party, which is where I do the photographs. And Shades is really where my heart is. I love the old photographs, I love the research, I love making that connection um, to some family out there that's looking for their family history or for an old photograph. And I did a photograph I called um, Little Girl Wearing Pearls, and did the whole history of it. It had her name on it. I did the entire history, and I was contacted by her great-great-granddaughter, oh my. practically in tears. Um, all the family photos had been taken by a relative and sold to antique dealers. So she said, my father has no pictures of his ancestors, and I said, okay, give me your <laughs> address, I'll send it to you. And it turns out he was one of the hydroplane racers in the Seattle area, and had been injured, um, and was no longer doing it. And so, it, it was that defining moment you have with your blog—that moment when you know you're doing exactly what you should be doing. And so now I, I call myself Seinfeld blogs. <laughs> Blogs about nothing in particular and everything in the world that hits me on whatever day it is. I write about the things I enjoy and hopefully other people enjoy them too.
0: When did you first start Shades of the Departed? Shades is,
1: was just a year old. So I had been blogging a little over a year when I started Shades and I took the name from a photographer who's turned out to be one of my fam- uh, favorites, his name is uh, Abraham Bogardis. And he told this story about a photographer who didn't take a deposit on cabinet cards. He took the picture, expecting people to come back and pick them up, they never did. Oh. So he put them in the window of his photography studio, and he called them Shades of the Department. And I just thought, you know, I love that double meaning, it's perfect, it's gonna work for me, and so I took that name.
0: Now, a lot of people in this morning's blogger summit were asking about, you know, kind of what are the rules of of blogging? Can I start? Do I have to have certain things done? Uh, What would you tell the, the newbie blogger, somebody who's been toying with the idea, would like to maybe share their research or their thoughts on genealogy? What would you tell them about getting started?
1: Well, the first thing I'd say is go look at every genial blogger out there. And I know there's hundreds, but go look at them. Go read them. What do you like? What do you not like? And that's design-wise and that's content-wise. And then when you make those decisions, you have to look at yourself and say, okay, what kind of a blog am I going to be? What am I offering? Am I offering my family something? Am I offering the genealogy community something? And make yourself stand out. Make yourself a bit unique because we've got hundreds now and you've got to do something to make yourself different. But the biggest piece of advice, and and I said this earlier today, is when I got into blogging, I said I didn't get into it to be Dick Eastman. There already is one and he does a great job. (laughs) So why would you want to be Dick Eastman? You know, you don't want to be the footnote maven. There's lots of people you don't want to be. So be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. So I think that's the best advice I could give. Them.
0: And I think even to, to kind of piggyback on that idea is you, the, the best you can be is yourself. You're going to be best at that than anything else. So trying to pull off being a footnote maven is going to come way more difficult, and you're not going to be as good at it. So you might as well capitalize on what your own strengths are.
1: And it's, it's true. Then there's something... Wonderful in all of us. Mm -hmm. We just have to determine what that is and showcase it. And you'll see that even with the new bloggers, those that are being successful stand out because there's something different they're offering us. Uh, Excellent writing. Humor. I mean, you have to pick your little niche, and you have to stay there. And I, I think that's the best advice, just be yourself.
0: For me, what strikes me is, is personality. It's, it's a take on things. What do you feel like is your unique flavor or niche?
1: Well, in the beginning, I thought it was a warped sense of humor <laughs> that only those people born in the South could understand. Uh, a good Southern girl kind of views the world a little differently now, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure because I'm being me. I try to write the way I talk. I try to tell the stories that interest me. If I run across something and I go, oh, that's the most interesting thing I've seen, it's the thing I'm going to write about. Or if I bump into two morning cards. And I say, I have never seen anything like that before. Well, if that's interesting to me, that's got to be interesting to somebody else. And that's kind of how I plan my my blogs. Um, Shades of the Departed has been very fortunate to have some wonderful people write for me as well. I I say that Shades success couldn't have anything to do with me other than the fact I'm a great appreciator and I know talent when I see it. And so every one of them uh, that write my weekend shades I love them. Each one of them capitalizes on that part of their personality that's best. Um, penny dreadful who writes some wonderful penny novel stories that we adore. Donna Pointkowski, who she does the humor of it and she sees photographs not the way any of us do. She <laughs> finds something funny in every photograph. Um, Cherie Fenley, she does The Year Was. She takes a year once a month and she researches everything about that year and gives me the, those little snippets that, that make it so good. Yasha does um, scrapbooking, oh that girl can scrapbook, I love every minute of of the time we have with her, she's so talented. Denise Olson does our our tech column, Uh, George Jeter does our restoration, Um, Craig Manson does appealing subjects, he writes about the legal things that go on with photographs.
0: Are these all under the brand, if you will, yes. of Shades of the Departed? And, and how did it come that you went from your own, you being the blogger, to you inviting others? Well, I looked
1: at it and I realized you can't be an expert on everything. Don't try to be. I love old photographs, and I had broken my side up a into a a photo week, twice till Tuesday, and I I take out old newspaper articles, old magazine articles, and reprint them exactly as they were written. And then I, I put my own photographs in them. Wednesday was wandering the web, Thursday was many things Thursday, Friday was Friday from the collectors, and I was becoming a bit overwhelmed because I had the two websites. And I thought, you know, I can't write. Legal articles, and I'm not that funny. And there are people out there that are so talented. And I started reading their blogs, and I said, "There's their little niche." I mean, um, Denise Levinick, who is is Penny Dreadful, knows her stuff. She can write, and she can twist a story like nobody I have <laughs> ever read before. And I said. That's what I need. I need someone else's expertise in all these areas that are going to be interesting to people who are interested in old photos. Someone said the other day, you really publish an e-digital magazine and I, I think that's probably what it is. If well, and that's
0: the question it. that will often come up for the new blogger is, is this a business? Should it be a business? What is it for you? Is it a business? Is it a hobby? Is it just a, a life's work? Another interesting question and
1: probably a different answer if you're talking to me or my husband. Ah. <laughs> um, no, I don't make any money. I don't have a single ad on there and don't think my husband once a month doesn't say, Isn't there some way you can make money from this? Because he'll say, You work harder than employees I'm paying wages to and and he's right. And I'm collecting women wearing glasses and he pays for them. So I sure you'd like to make money but there's reality. Um, and when you talk about it being a brand, and I think, you know, it's probably getting to that point, even footnote Maven is probably getting to that point, you have to look at yourself with a lot of different hats. Marketing and promotion. And then who's going to write all those articles? And who's going to oversee all the editing for the other pieces that you're putting on? I, I don't know, I guess I guess it is my hobby, but it is the breath I take, the reason I get up in the morning, and everything I absolutely love. And so I, I don't think I could just get up and walk away from it. And I'm, I'm not sure any of us, as was said this morning, will ever be rich from blogging except in friends, contacts, and the love of the work we do. And in that, I'm probably one of the wealthiest people around. I can't complain.
0: What did you do before you were blogging? Blogging is still a fairly new phenomenon. What got you up in the morning? Oh, dear. I'm going to have
1: to admit I was a lawyer. (laughs) And I was actually in law school in Portland getting my LLM in environmental law with a focus in federal Indian law. And I've often said being an attorney translates well into research and blogging, it really does. You understand um, storytelling, lawyers, forgive me, are storytellers. If you can't stand in front of a jury and tell a good story, you're in big trouble. We know how to footnote. We certainly do understand proof, evidence. So it was a pretty natural transition and I had become extremely ill. And I had to leave school and spend quite a bit of time in the hospital. And I got upset. said, oh, I've got to have something to do. And so I started playing around on the internet and said, ooh, that looks like fun. And I did the one thing that every perpetual student and probably lawyer does. I went out and took the nine-month course. Um, at the University of Washington in genealogy and family history. Okay. And when I finished that, I went to the Museum of History and Industry in Seattle and took their nearby history course twice. Wow. So I had a good background, a really good background for jumping into it. I didn't have much in the way of confidence, and that grows. And I know during the conference this morning, someone asked, do you become a better writer? Well, of course you do if you're yeah. practicing it every day. Exactly. Um, and if you sit back and, and read out loud what you've just written and it doesn't all of a sudden hit you that you've done something wrong in there, go back and replace that word, go back and replace that sentence, oh, I talked all about this person and forgot to tell who he
0: was, those things
1: uh, will make you a much better writer.
0: How about the logistics of it? Now, you were talking about the kinds of things you need to do when you first start. You've got to think about what you want to talk about, who your audience is going to be, what your purpose is for doing it. In the summit, we talked a little bit about the, just the logistics of maybe starting with blogger.com. What kind of other initial advice would you give? Like, when you look back and think about Gosh, if I had to start over again, I wish I'd done that. And that was one of the things I talked about in the summit was I'm a little bit of a perfectionist in that the idea of launching the whole thing and telling all my friends before I know that it looks like I want it to look and reads kind of like what I'm trying to convey because it can be very difficult to go back and start over. What would you do different if you had to go back and start over?
1: Let me just say you and I have a lot of the same uh, qualities. I am an awful perfectionist. (laughs) I think if I were doing it again, I'd have 25 posts in draft sitting there. That I would read several times before I ever posted them. <laughs> I would tinker with the look of my blog until it was right. And Blogger has a wonderful thing where you, um, you don't have to publish to the world. Right. You can actually punch this little button and say, only invited people may look at my blog. So I think I might do it, invite a couple of people to come in and say, "Hows the navigation?" and
0: just to get till you get your, your, your footing. and kind of have a sense of, here. Okay, I, I feel comfortable here.
1: Oh, I absolutely agree, but I'll tell you harder than having a blog was making my first comment. Uh, yes <laughs> I froze. I loved the article. I wanted to tell this person how wonderful they were, and I sat there and looked at that little comment box, and I just, I couldn't do it.
0: So you're talking about that that interactive commenting where you're reading other people's blogs, and it has little, you know, would you like to reply, and it's going to say your name on it. It is. And and you do, you wonder if you, if you put something in there, somebody else is going to write, what are you thinking? It Well, exactly. You missed the point of this blog.
1: Well, that was back in the days, too, you know, two or three years ago, there was a lot of what they called flame going on and I was so afraid oh my god I'm going to make this really stupid comment and somebody's going to come along and say how could you have been so ignorant (laughs) so I sat there and I froze at the keyboard and instead I sent the person an email he had his email on there and I said I just wanted to tell you how much I enjoy your blog I read it every day Um, you've inspired me Um, and he wrote me an email And he said, Maven, leave a comment. He said, it's really good to know that you love my blog. He said, but you've got to interact with our world. And so I made a comment, and that person said, oh, maybe we should go look at her blog. And they came and looked at my blog and made a comment, and that kind of snowballed as well. And I try now as as busy as we all are, I try to always thank people for a comment, and I, if they are new and I've never seen them before, I try to go to their blog, read their blog, and, and really tell them the positive points that I see in what they're doing. It's kind of pay it forward, each one to each one. I try to do that as much as I possibly can.
0: And, and truthfully, down the road as well, there is an element of that can be actually a marketing tool. If you would like to get your blog some exposure, go and read somebody else's and make a comment. And you're nodding your head, so I know that this must work for you as well. You get a little bit of exposure that way?
1: I have this collection of of women wearing glasses from about 1840 to 1929 to 30. And I wanted to write this book. And I've been doing research far too long. I should be writing. But I went to a publisher. And at that time, the publisher said to me, Well, if you really want to write a book, you have got to come blogging. We expect all our authors to come blogging. They said, You know... These publishing times, we don't spend the money that we used to in promoting books. You bring your audience to us. You prove to us that you have an audience, and you will have your book. Well, the only way you can do that, of course, is, you know, you go look at Technorati or Stumbled Upon or how many people are showing up on your blog or your comments. And if you are getting quality comments that also proves to the publisher, you've got a market who has an interest in what it is that you're doing. So I kind of combined those things. And that was one of my basic purposes. And then I sort of became all consumed by blogging and became known as a genie of blogging. Yeah. I love it.
0: Oh, absolutely. You were talking about uh, comments. And, and this is interesting because after somebody gets to stay on the road, they've been doing some blocking for a while. It has grown to be a much larger pool of blogs of course what you, like you said, means actually there's fewer comments, and I have noticed somewhat of a decrease, which means when I get one, I treasure it. I I read every word twice and make sure I got out what they wanted to let me know about it. Exactly. What do you do to, because there are things I think that we can include in our blog that do encourage comments. Do you have any tips for people to get people to interact with their blog?
1: Well, I actually have a, a carnival that I run. It's called "I Smile for the Camera." Yeah. and I ask people to post old photographs. and we do a compilation. and and just to show you how things have grown, I know that the Carnival of genealogy, there were some months we had 10 people where it's to the point now where I know Yasha has had 50 or more. I had 50 or more, I think, three times in the Smile for the, for the Camera Carnival, and at the end of it, I thank them for the time and the efforts that they've put into it because I know, I, I write posts, what it takes, and then I ask each of them to go to those blogs, to read those blogs, and to leave a comment because it's how we encourage everyone. And so. I see, I see that working when you are, are promoting, particularly the new people. For those of us that have been around a while, I find it's really some of the um, kind of off the wall posts I do that get the most comments.
0: Mm-hmm. people off guard.
1: <laughs> you look at that and, 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 and you go, no. now what caught their interest, although I, I have to agree with something you said this morning about you have to have a really creative title. Yes for your uh, posts. And I really do think long and hard about my post titles, because you've got, what, three seconds in a blog reader to catch somebody's interest? And, and so one of the last ones I did was um, search engines can't read your minds or your images. And it got a lot of comments. And it was one of those that, you know, people went to read. If you just say, you know, Joe Schmo's genealogy or death certificate, or you, know, you don't want to do something like that. You want to say died on his horse or you know whatever it
0: is the seven top tips for you know finding obituaries or whatever it is you're talking ex- about
1: exactly something that's going to spark the interest you gotta or use a word they've never heard before
0: that's a great one that's a great one.
1: um pucker brush is a word that one of the uh, bloggers from new hampshire used and we actually did a tribute to her and we said, Janice Brown is lost in the pucker brush, and we miss her. So you do something like that, it catches interest. Now, a lot of the old-time bloggers will say to you, oh, don't do that, because it doesn't help you with a search engine. Um,
0: oh. Sneaking a keyword maybe along with it, that would be good. Of course, yeah. one or
1: two yeah. would work out fine tag your articles, tag your images, throw those keywords everywhere you can inside your post as well. Because I still say, when you've got a thousand blogs in your blog reader, Randy Seaver's not going to stop and read you unless he goes, oh, that's funny sounding yeah. like that. So that's kind of how I see, and I had to agree with you this morning, that's it's a really smart thing to do.
0: Well, and if a, if a very popular blogger like Randy Seaver reads your blog, he's likely to write about it. And so next thing you know is his entire audience got a little bit of exposure to your blog and it all goes around. I have to tell you a funny story about, you mentioned the carnivals of genealogy, and about six months ago or so, I don't know, it was early on, maybe it was a year ago, I thought, oh, I'd like to participate. I've got a little bit of time and I wanted to do one. Okay, I'll admit it. I took it very literally. I thought we were doing carnival theme, and that's where my Louise carnival. It was a Louise merry-go-round, and it was a mashup of images of all of the women named Louise, except for five or six, seven, seven generations, and they were traveling around on the on this carnival. And I, and after I read the carnival when it was published, and I went, boing, I get it. Okay, this was not literally a carnival. It was about a sharing. I, I swear I wrote I wrote her an email and apologized profusely for being so ignorant. <laughs> and she's like, it's adorable. Don't worry about it. So even then, even though I kind of over-jumped what it was she was telling us to do. I'm sorry. I love that.
1: Because that's a... That's a point to bring up. There are memes and carnivals and words we use that the new bloggers don't truly understand. Exactly. And, you know, maybe that's another thing. Maybe we should even explain that more often. I would like to see a beginning blogging. Course here at the conference.
0: That would be nice. We're doing the summit, but I almost felt like after the summit was over, we, it really could have been two. It could have been an intro course. Now come in and ask the experts questions based on what you just learned. And I think that might be a great companion.
1: I think so too. And I think there are a lot of bloggers that are in at the point in their blogging life when they want to know what is next you know we can only run so many blogs we can only think up so many carnivals what's the next thing that we do that's going to set us apart and and that's i guess what we're all trying to do most of us not set us apart for the money i guess it's the love and admiration we're after i'm i'm not sure
0: shh don't tell everybody so we're after. <laughs> You know, I love bringing these genealogical gems to you that help boost your research and build a strong family tree. And it's important to me to always have free podcasts available so that everyone can participate. If you enjoy these free shows and you would like to help me cover the costs of bringing them to you each week, there's a really easy way to do that that won't cost you a thing. By coming to my website at genealogygems.tv whenever you need to do some shopping online and accessing your favorite stores and websites through the links that you find on my site, you financially support the show. The price you pay is exactly the same, but Genealogy Gems receives a small percentage for referring you. It's just that simple. Amazon is one of my all-time favorite places to shop online. They have just about everything and at incredibly competitive prices. So next time you're looking for books, DVDs, software, electronics, apparel, pretty much anything at all, head to genealogygens.tv and click the Amazon ad that you find on the homepage or throughout the website, and these free podcasts will benefit by any shopping that you do and you will get the same super low prices. Everybody wins. So if you enjoy the Genealogy Gems podcast and the Family History Genealogy Made Easy podcast, let your mouse do the shopping through the ads and links on the Genealogy Gems website, and together we'll keep new episodes coming for a long time to come. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. You'll find the show notes for this episode, which include all the links I've talked about at my website, genealogygems.com. And there you'll also discover a lot more tips and tools for finding your family history in my podcasts, the blog posts, books, and videos. Become a Genealogy Gems premium member, and you're also going to get access to exclusive content like my full-length video classes and the premium podcast episodes. We have a new one of those coming out every month. Now, if you have any questions about this episode, or if you'd like to share your experiences on how the podcast has impacted your own family history journey, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at genealogygemspodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 925-272-4021 and we might just play it here on the show. Thanks so much for listening, friend. I'll talk to you soon.